G'day folks, welcome back to another episode of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. It's Friday the 16th of September and this week we're going to have a deep dive into a recent uh, regression that occurred in Systemd for Ubuntu 18.04 long-term support. Uh, There's actually got a bit of press coverage as well yeah, and a fair bit of uh, outage actually in uh, Azure. For coming up later, I've got an interview with uh, Nishit from the security team as well as uh, Matthew from our sustaining engineering team to dive into what happened there and I guess some of the fallout and I guess how the uh, impact was to customers and how the teams responded to that. That's a really interesting interview. But first, we'll do the usual roundup of security fixes that have gone into supported Ubuntu releases over the past week. This week, there were 28 unique CVEs that were addressed by the team. And up first was an update for DNS Mask for Ubuntu 16.04 Extended Security Maintenance. So this is an update that I originally talked about back in episode 118. Uh, Back then, we updated it for the regular releases. Now, we've updated it uh, for uh, 16.04 Extended Security Maintenance as well. Uh, So in this case, uh, it failed to properly randomize the source port that was used uh, when forwarding queries uh, when it was configured to use a specific server for a given network interface. As a result, it would use a fixed port. Uh, Then a remote attacker would be able to more easily perform cache poisoning attacks against DNS mask, and it would just need to guess the transmission ID uh, once it knew the source port because yeah that was a fixed port number that it was using and then you'd be able to get your forge reply accepted into DNS mask and be able to poison the cache and actually as I said back in episode 118 uh, it's pretty similar to the issues that were discovered back in 2008 by Dan Kaminsky it was a big splash then uh, basically discovering how insecure DNS was as a protocol and as a specification because of the fact that it used back then a lot of fixed port numbers for a lot of what it was doing nowadays the source ports for a lot of things are randomized for basically everything and in this case yeah just one of them wasn't uh, so yeah it's pretty pretty similar to that but interesting to see uh, something that is you know from 2008 is still being found uh, you know in recent years after that was some updates for the kernel uh, the kernel team is always doing the heavy lifting on these thank you for all your work on those uh, nine CVEs were fixed for the kernel for uh, Raspberry Pi on Ubuntu 2204 long-term support I actually talked about all of these back in last week's episode. I've got a link in the show notes if you want to go back and dig up the details on that. Similarly, uh, the Raspberry Pi kernel for Ubuntu 8.04 long-term support was updated for a couple CVEs as well. Again, covered that last week. Uh, and those same two CVEs were fixed for uh, Azure uh, Confidential Virtual Machines uh, for Ubuntu 20.04 long-term support as well. Uh, LibTIFF was updated for seven CVEs for Ubuntu releases 18.04 and 20.04 long-term support, uh, being an image handling library written in C. You know, not surprising, a lot of these are you know, memory corruption vulnerabilities and the like. And actually, I talked about uh, this set of vulnerabilities back in episode 169 when I covered this for uh, other releases. So if you want to know more details, go to listen back to that. But basically, it's the usual mix of uh, you know, um, null pointer geo-references, uh, heap and stack buffer overflows and the like. Similarly, we had three CVs fixed for LibTIFF in our extended security maintenance releases. So that's uh, 14.04 and 16.04 extended security maintenance. But again, same sorts of issues there. Uh, Poplar was updated for Ubuntu releases 16.04 extended security maintenance as well as our long-term support releases. So 18.04, 20.04 and 22.04 long-term support. In this case, it was an integer overflow in the JBIG2 decoder uh, that could then trigger a heat buffer overflow uh, through a crafted PDF or JBIG2 image. As a result, it was very similar to a recent CVE that uh, was uh, disclosed in XPDF. Uh, and this is not surprising because Poplar started life as a fork of the XPDF3 code, but uh, now the two packages have diverged so much that in general, it's not really possible to assume that a CVE in one will always affect the other, but in this case, it actually did. But yeah, there are separate CVIDs as a result because uh, the code has diverged uh, significantly. 
GDK PixPath was updated for single vulnerability for our more recent releases. So 2004 and 22 are for long-term support. Uh, similarly, a heap buffer overflow when decoding LZW compressed uh, streams from GIF files or GIF files, depending on how you want to pronounce that. Uh, DBDK, the data plane development kit was updated for our long-term support releases. So 1804, 2004 and 22 for long-term support. In this case, a crafted vhost header could cause a denial of service against DBDK. Uh, .NET 6 was updated for Ubuntu 22.04 long-term support. I talked about this in a recent episode where basically Ubuntu is now shipping .NET 6. Uh, so in this case, it was a denial of service in .NET Core that uh, Microsoft described as a malicious client could cause a stack overflow which may result in a denial of service attack when an attacker sends a customized payload that is parsed during model binding. So yeah, not a lot of detail there, but uh, that has been fixed by updating uh, to the latest release, the 6.0.109. Uh, so that is kind of uh, you know a patch Tuesday update for Ubuntu. Uh, what else? So yeah, the systemd regression, uh, so we had an update for that, and we will obviously talk about that a bit more in just a minute. Uh, as well, there was an update for Rust regex for Ubuntu 20.04 and 22.04 for long-term support. Uh, in this case, it was a regular expression denial of service that could be triggered uh, against yeah, the regex crate in Rust. Interestingly, uh, the upstream developers here had already included various mitigations against denial of service through untrusted regexes, uh, and they have a bunch of tunables that you can use uh, to then sort of set the different parameters there as to you know how long, essentially, when it's compiling a regex, when it will bail out and say, no, it's, that's not valid. Uh, however, it was it was found it was able to be those tunables or those uh, mitigations were able to be bypassed through a regular expression that specified an empty sub expression that then could be matched up to say 294 million times. As a result, it would compile that empty sub expression 294 million times. Uh, that empty sub expression doesn't use any memory, and so it would just chew heaps of CPU time, but not actually use any uh, memory. As a result, the existing mitigations that are based on how much memory a regular expression uh, or how much much memory is being taken up when a regular expression is being compiled we're not getting tripped uh, and so yeah we just eat a heap of cpu time that was fixed uh, by changing the code such that it would and account a very small amount of memory for each of those empty sub expressions doesn't actually use any memory but would account for that and therefore uh, that would then trip up the existing detection logic in a reasonable amount of time so it was able to detect uh, that possible denial of service so that's a pretty cool fix a neat little uh, hack or a trick there in uh, the regex crate and for the last one for the week, we had an update for RebKit GTK for Ubuntu 2004 and 22 for long-term support. Uh, in this case, it was out-of-bounds right through malicious web content. Uh, Apple reported this as being actively exploited for iOS users. In this case, Safari uses WebKit and WebKit GTK is you know, GTK wrapper for WebKit. Uh, so not surprising that it affects WebKit GTK as well. So yeah, if that's actively exploited for iOS users, I guess you know it's possible that people using uh, WebKit GTK applications could have also been targeted as well. So if you're using things like the Epiphany web browser and others, you are a little bit safer now on those platforms. Uh, but yeah, given the amount of vulnerabilities that WebKit has and uh, how, I guess, little information is provided by these through uh, Apple and the like, in Ubuntu, it makes it very hard for us to support that well. So yeah, I recommend that you stick with Firefox or Chromium or one of the other uh, more supported browsers where its web framework does get a lot more active uh, security updates from upstream. All right. 
So the other thing I wanted to bring you this week was a great interview that I did with Nishit Majithia and Matthew Ruffle, uh, a couple other team members at Canonical. So Nishit is on the security team with myself and Matthew is in the sustaining engineering group, uh, part of our team that does engineering support for our customers. And we had a great discussion about this recent system D regression that occurred for Ubuntu 18.04 long-term support. So yeah, let's just dive straight into that. Okay, so I've got with me two special guests for the podcast today. I've brought in Nishit Majithia from the Ubuntu security team and Matthew Ruffle from our sustaining engineering team at Canonical. Now, Nishit, you've been with us for about three months now? Yes, Alex. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you recently picked this um, systemd update to do. And I thought at the time, oh, being a, you know, relatively new and picking systemd was a bit risky. And yeah, we'll, um, I guess we'll dig into that in a minute. But, um, and Matthew, yeah, from Sustaining Engineering. So uh, actually, if you could tell us briefly, I guess, about what Sustaining Engineering do at Canonical. Uh, so Sustaining Engineering works very closely with, with our customers or enterprise customers. What we do is that we're brought on board whenever like a, an issue or, or a bug occurs in the piece of software. We, we root cause uh, the problem, we reproduce it, we come up with a fix, we will upstream that fix or backport an existing fix, and then we'll push it out to all a bunch of users. Yeah, so, and I actually recall, I reckon I interviewed you years ago, um, and at the time, uh, you, you introduced me to your awesome blog, and I, I remember discussing with you then how you, uh, for a while, maintained your own Linux distribution, uh, hardened Linux distribution, and you've got a bunch of cool uh, teardowns of different malware and things like that on your blog as well. So I'm actually going to put a link to that in the show notes if people are interested. But yeah, that's uh, really awesome technical content. And I guess that's, uh, I guess, what makes you really good at what you do. You've got awesome technical skills and are able to really dig into any, uh, you know, issue that customers are having and yet yeah, do that root cause analysis. Um, cool. So yeah, what we're, what we're talking about today, though, is this recent uh, regression in systemd for Ubuntu 18.04. Uh, it didn't affect all users, but it did affect a large chunk of users, particularly in uh, Azure. And uh, you, you need to have a particular system configuration essentially to trigger it. And that's th those or the Azure uh, deployments were configured like that. Um, so yeah, Nishit, you originally released this, I think what, right at the end of August, 29th or 30th of August. Um, we covered that uh, a few weeks ago on the podcast, but it was USN 5583-1. Uh, are you able to briefly describe, I guess, the vulnerability that that was patching in the first place? Yeah, sure. Uh... Actually, the vulnerability was uh, CV 2022-2526, which is actually the use after free issue uh, in a system D. So uh, the 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 thing is uh, the functions on stream IO and uh, the DNS uh, stream complete functions have like a DNS stream object, which actually use uh, to uh, maintain the D DNS stream and uh, th those functions were not incrementing the reference count of the D DNS stream object. So that's why when uh, other functions or callbacks call this DNS stream object or dereference it, at that time the use after free uh, uh, issue was uh, causing. So the originally we patched this uh, uh, use after free issue in the system in, in uh, as a, pa a patch of CV 2022 to 506. Cool. Yeah. So being a user after free, I guess it's the kind of thing that uh, for the kind of impact that can have, um, I guess the immediate one is usually you can crash, you know, the the component. You know, it's, a, it's a memory corruption vulnerability. 
but um, again, being used after free, you, uh, you can often get, depending on how you can control memory layout and things like that as an attacker, you can potentially get code execution. And so this is a component that is running as root. And so you've got local users effectively making DNS queries through it. So the idea here, I guess, is the, the ultimate impact could be a, a local user privilege escalation to root as a result. Would that be right? Yes, correct. Yeah, so a, a reasonably um, high profile vulnerability. Um, and so we released, or you released this update, and then actually the first I saw of it, uh, I was taking my kids to their swimming lesson as it was about eight o'clock at night here. Uh, I finished for the day, but I was scrolling through Twitter on my phone and saw someone tweet saying, uh, Ubuntu systemd update broke DNS. And I thought, uh-oh, because I remembered earlier that day that you'd released this uh, systemd update. And uh, when I, I, that actually linked to a bug report on Launchpad and yeah, it was uh, concerning the systemd update that you'd put out. And given, I guess, that this was in DNS handling and they said this broke DNS, it sounded a lot like uh, the patch that had been introduced had directly caused this regression. So, uh, you know, in the one minute that I was there, I quickly dropped the link to this bug report in our internal chat uh, to Unishit. And I said, you yeah, know, can you, can you investigate it? Um, what can you describe to me then, I guess, what, what happened then for you? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so at that time, when I like uh, saw the uh, issue, I thought that like uh, maybe some uh, the patch that uh, I did to Bionic maybe uh, introduced this uh, regression. So I tried to uh, investigate by just uh, setting up a VM and uh, install this package to see uh, and checking the systemd log and saying uh, uh, like. Uh, checking the systemd log for uh, to see where the uh, issue is actually causing so so uh, that time uh, actually i got uh, initially i got panic but yeah then i come down uh, come down myself and then uh, worked on uh, like starting looking at uh, uh, the issue yeah yeah so uh, so initially you weren't able to reproduce it though is that right um yeah. and i guess i guess that's probably why uh, you know, we we released the security update because we do testing on all of the different things that we release and you've done testing and you obviously hadn't seen this issue and then uh, not surprisingly that you couldn't immediately reproduce it as well. So it sounds like, um, you know, we needed a particular configuration. But I'm wondering, Matthew, are you able to kind of um, talk to, I guess, what happened on your end of things? When did uh, SEG become aware of this? So uh, Microsoft are very active on their own Azure platform when it comes to Ubuntu instances. You know, Canonical itself maintains a very good relationship with Microsoft when, when they come to you know, using Ubuntu on Azure. So uh, their users talk to Microsoft support about something was you know seriously wrong with the system D patch. And from there, Microsoft filed a, a Salesforce ticket with Canonical saying, you know, this, this package is 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 broken. It needs to be investigated, and and we jumped on a call with with Microsoft very immediately after that ticket was filed. Um, from there, like it was all a whirlwind of trying to figure out the root cause. At at the very early stages, it was just known that running unattended upgrades on a fresh image just broke everything. Um, it wasn't until a couple hours later that we started, you know, digging down and figuring out that it was specific. Azure configuration that, that that Ubuntu Azure images have that was actually causing the problem. Okay, and so um, in I guess the immediate reaction to this was that uh, one of the members of the uh, the Ubuntu archive team 
uh, kind of pulled this update from the security pocket and put it back into the uh, Bionic proposed pocket. So that then means that uh, I guess people who already had installed it obviously were, were hit by it, but anyone else who hadn't yet installed that wasn't wasn't going to run into it. And um, I think it turns out that that was a, a bit of a stroke of luck because our usual regression process is that we then uh, sort of republish that same update but removing the problematic patch because at this point, I guess, or in, certainly in the immediate aftermath, it really felt like uh, it could have been this patch itself that introduced uh, this regression directly. Uh, but it turns out that that probably would have re-triggered uh, the whole issue for, for other users. Would that be right? That's exactly right. It's, we're very lucky that we didn't immediately revert the, 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 the upgrade and then push out a new package. Otherwise, we would have taken everyone down again. Okay. So can you, can you go into a bit of detail there, I guess, Matthew, to describe a bit more about what, what was happening here and what, what the interaction was between, uh, I guess, the installation of uh, this new systemd version or a, a new systemd version and how that then was ultimately bringing down uh, the networking in this case? Uh, so it's actually a quite an interesting, complex interaction between different packages. Uh, so the, the, the initial triage of unattended upgrades running and breaking things. So the, the systemd package was published to the Bionic security pocket, which unattended upgrades watches constantly. And, and as soon as it knows there's anything in it, it will install it and get your system security patched. Um, so what happened was that on, on long-running systems, which has been up for quite some time, uh, we had actually published a, uh, a previous SIU for OpenVM tools uh, about two weeks prior. And any system that had installed OpenVM tools and the systemd upgrade had lost DNS, um, which was quite puzzling. Uh, so we dug in a little bit deeper. And it turns out that uh, the Azure Ubuntu images, they have a NetPlan configuration file for their network interfaces that match on the driver field, and the driver being um, HV, NetV, that sort of thing. Um, and what was happening was that on an installation of the systemd SIU, it was restarting uh, systemd networkd. And it had lost the ability to determine, NetPlan lost the ability to figure out uh, what driver was attached to what network interface. And so those network interfaces went unmanaged. And they could still, they could still send traffic, but you know, D, systemd resolve D broke. So you couldn't like you couldn't resolve DNS addresses anymore, which which meant for a lot of people they, they did lose connectivity on on most of their workloads. Um, so digging down into it, the, the OpenVM tools SIU, it has a, a post-install script that runs when the package is installed, and it runs udev atom trigger. So if you don't know what udev is, basically it's it's one of the tools in, in a Linux system to uh, apply a set of rules to various devices that get plugged in and actions that happen when they are. Like if you plug in a USB stick, the UDF rule triggers to mount that USB stick, that sort of thing, right? Um, yeah. But in this case, uh, when UDF atom trigger was run, which is basically globally reload all rules, it there wasn't any rules configured to actually attach the 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 ID net driver property to a particular network interface. 
So when all those roles got reloaded, the network interface lost its properties. And then when systemd network D got restarted, because those properties were no longer there, um, they weren't added back or anything like that. So when the, the service restarted, those interfaces went into unmanaged mode, which caused DNS outage. Yeah, so it sounds like this then really was a bug in systemd because it was losing those um, interface or those device properties uh, when uh, it got restarted or when UDEV admin trigger reran. Is that right? That's exactly right. Yeah, this is a systemd bug. Yeah, so so I guess what we had to do here then was ultimately we had to fix that bug uh, in systemd to make sure that it didn't lose those device properties, but we still had this, you know, even, even so that was a, a patch that was able to be identified from the upstream systemd project. And I think I think actually Chris Coulson on our team um, pretty quickly identified that patch early on that we were missing from our, our systemd uh, version. But we still had this problem then that there are lots of machines that uh, are sitting in this state where they've lost those device properties. Uh, and so that even if we were to then you know, re-release another systemd update uh, that you know, has this, this new logic to retain those, yet the, the properties at this point have been lost. The only way to get them back is to either reboot, which I think was one of the early steps that was listed on the bug report um, to remediate this or uh, to manually rerun, I think the UDEV admin uh, add so that the device properties would get added. Um, but yeah, we couldn't just uh, release another systems update, otherwise it would re-trigger the whole bug again. So can you can you walk me through a bit, I guess, about how uh, we sort of remediated these machines that were kind of sitting there primed without any uh, device properties sitting there, but waiting uh, for some future systemd update that then may eventually bring them down as well? I'll, I'll talk about a little bit about the backport actually sure. to, to get things fixed. So uh, with the patch that Chris Colson did identify, which was the correct one, the code between uh, system D247, where that patch was actually introduced, and D245 on, on Focal, and then system D235 on, on Bionic, they're all quite different from each other, right? So uh, at, in the initial hours when I got a hold of this case, a lot of my time was spent trying to figure out how to make the backport work. Now, it turned out that this backport had already been done on, on Vocal about two years prior when they experienced a very similar outage. So uh, one of the other people on my team, Dan Streetman at the time, uh, performed that backport to Vocal. And then I, I based my backport on off of his backport. Um, the, 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 the fix, basically, when a change your event comes in, we need to make a decision, are we going to rename this particular network interface? Are we going to attach properties to it or not? Or should we just break out early? And the, the change your event that comes in when, when you run UDF Adam trigger, which is the default option, we need to instead just, just break out immediately and not do any renaming or, or attaching or removing of device properties to it. So, uh, so I backported the fix and I pushed it to, a, to the security, well, Nishin and I pushed it to the security proposed PPA and we, we asked the community to help test, and, and we also forwarded this package to Microsoft to help test on, on their internal um, testing. Um, and Microsoft came back to us and said that, you know, it works great if you restart or if you um, have a fresh instance, but if you already have a primed system and you install this package, it's still going to break. And, and what they mean by already primed is I've already installed OpenVM tools and, UDF Atom Trigger has already run, you've already lost your device properties. 
installing this package doesn't bring those properties back. It only just prevents it from being lost in the first place, right? So on installation, you still have a broken DNS implementation. So at this point, we, we discussed a whole bunch of solutions internally, and we, we talked to Microsoft about it too. I suggested we implement like a, a UDF role that matched on the particular network interface, and if it was HVVC, then we would add the IDNet driver property to it. Um, I just wanted to think in terms of like regression risk. I don't want to add too much new code for the entire Bionic user base. I want to keep things small and nice and targeted, which is why I just wanted a UDF role that matched as your instances only. Uh, but it turns out that the problem was more widespread than this, right? It affected any user that had a neat plane configuration that matched on driver, which made this UDF raw idea a bad idea. <laughs> um, so Microsoft actually suggested that we have a, a pre-install script on system D. And all it did was just do some gripping on um, each network interface. And if it saw that it was missing the ID net driver property, then it would issue a UDF Adam trigger add command to add those properties back. And um, that's the solution that we ended up going with. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I guess we we were well, we were aware that yeah this uh, problem was kind of widespread in Azure, but we weren't necessarily uh, aware if it may affect other customers. And I, yeah, I it, it is always a bit of a tension, isn't it, between let's try and go with the most targeted fix versus let's go with a more general approach that um, will hopefully help other customers if we're not aware that they're encountering this problem, but it could potentially introduce new problems, um, you know, if we're not, if we're not, I guess, aware of uh, the impacts of that. But, That's right. Regression risk is, is, is real. Yeah. Any package line, any, any line of code added to a package could introduce a regression, right? And be very careful about what we add to our packages. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, I've certainly said it uh, within the context of security team a fair bit that for us, um, you know, introducing a regression for customers is generally worse than not patching a vulnerability because at the time that, you know, if, if there's a, an open vulnerability, that's a, a theoretical risk to them. Uh, if they're not probably being actively exploited through it, so it's not really a problem necessarily. But if we release a security update for a package that they're using and that suddenly breaks that package, well, we've given, we've handed them a problem on, on a plate. So, uh, yeah, obviously being able to reduce regressions, avoid regressions is uh, the number one game there. And so I guess in this point, uh, we did a lot of different testing internally to make sure that this fix was both uh, sufficient in terms of uh, patching uh, or, you know, fixing system D to not, to not introduce the problem, but also then to remediate these systems. Uh, are you able to describe uh, what, what was done there? So I did a lot of hands-on testing myself. I had a whole bunch of, of instances on Azure where I you know, verified and, and, and made sure that these, this patch was sufficient. Um, I also tested on bare metal and LexD and, and KVM and on other different public clouds to, to make sure that you know these, these changes aren't going to affect anyone that aren't going to cause any regressions. I even sent out a, an email to our internal teams, to the foundations and server and security teams, sending engineering teams about my approach to this solution and asking for, for advice and some feedback, right? And I said, this is the, the current pre-install script. It works. You know, does anyone have any suggestions about it or can anyone foresee any problems by doing this? And, and I got some useful feedback, you know, um, that we, 
like like not including the loopback interface, which doesn't have any properties attached to it regardless, or um, making things a little bit more robust when it comes to logging. Cool. Yeah. So it's, um, I guess, a real team effort in the end. And uh, Nishit, uh, so to try to make sure that I guess this doesn't happen again, uh, I saw you'd added um, some notes and things like that. Can you describe a bit more about uh, what was done there? Yeah, sure. So this kind of issue is actually very difficult to catch, actually. So uh, usually we maintain uh, scripts and nodes to actually to do the testing on the patched uh, packages, like so that the older issue or the older regression issue won't uh, happen on the newly patched package. So after this uh, issue occurred, we created a scripts and notes for the QA team and for the security team uh, so that this kind of issue won't occur in the future and we make sure that uh, uh, like the 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 system d package uh, will be patched uh, to actually uh, to make sure that uh, this kind of issue won't uh, happen in the future awesome so yeah, with any luck, uh, the next person that goes to do a security update for System D will will run those scripts uh, as as part of our documentation and our process, and they'll be able to test. I guess that they're not reintroducing this or or a similar issue as a result. Does that involve any kind of complex setup to make sure that you've got, uh, I guess, the right uh, your net plan configuration or whatever it might be uh, to trigger that in the first place? Yeah. Uh, so for that, uh, we need to run the UDVDM uh, trigger and. Uh, to see that whether all the NIC configurations uh, or the properties are there so that when we restart the system D network D daemon, then uh, it will find the netman co configurations properly. So so in the Python scripts, we make sure that all the test cases are covered. All right. And so I guess that the last part of that is that uh, the update, or the, you know, this, this update that fixed this issue went out uh, earlier this week. Uh, and uh, I certainly haven't heard of any any other issues. I don't. I'm not sure if either of you two have. Have you? Yeah, I've been watching the system debug tracker internally, yep. and and it's been quiet. So I'm very pleased and yep. very relieved. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, job well done, everyone. Like I said, yeah, real team effort. So, uh, but yeah, thank you both uh, for all your work, obviously, on this issue, but uh, for also talking to me today on the podcast. I've really enjoyed uh, having a great deep dive into this issue with you both. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you, Alex. And thanks again, Nishit and Matthew. Uh, always great talking to you both. And I yeah, hope to be able to bring uh, more awesome content like that uh, to everyone listening in the future as well. All right. So that is it for this week's episode. As usual, if you want to get in contact with the team, you can email us at securityubuntu.com. We also hang out in the Ubuntu security channel on labera.chat. And we are on Twitter too, at Ubuntu underscore sec. So thanks everyone for listening again for another week. I'll be back again with you all next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.